Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About The Weather. Political discussion from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk news and politics. Yeah, this is the start of our third year, season three. Technically it would be our, our season three, yeah. Yeah, um, I've got a little thing, because like, there's people who are probably, hopefully have new joiners. Hmm. Our Christmas, our like New Year one normally pulls in some new people. Yeah. That's normally when we get a bump in the ratings and some of them stay. Um, but yeah, just a little thing about what the podcast is, because we haven't really, because we just float, fly into it normally. Oh yeah. And have done for a while now. But yeah, so like, a bit about us, we've never really joined any left-wing group, like our lives, because we've never really found one that fits properly. Hmm. Um, and you're an undercover cop, so I mean, well, they, te- they test for that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah they do. Um, well, not that much. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, that could lead to like alienation and all the, the horrible side effects that that brings. So, you know, it can be harder to stay strong when we have bad things happen, like losing an election. And it's easy to develop and have like reactionary, cranky views. And you end, you end, up, you end up kind of alone and weird. <laughs> um, but we just want to explain. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> we want to explain what's going on out there for everybody. Um, hopefully in a way that makes as much sense as possible and to remind everyone that you're not really alone. Mm. Um, the Labour Party, not good enough. Trot groups just want you to sell papers and not mention Comrade Delta. Morningstar, just full of turfs. Oh, boy. Navara just yeah. rubs you the wrong way. We're not that. Mm. Um, any fuck-ups we make is just ignorance, and we're always willing to grow, because that's kind of one of the most important parts I think of on the left. We don't know everything. No one does. Yeah. Um, most people know more about things that specifically affect them than we do. That's a legal disclaimer, by the way. So uh, if we are wrong, um, that counts now. It does. So you know. Yeah, we've covered it. Yeah, stay a while and listen. Yeah. Um, so what's been going yeah, on? Yeah, I mean, this week? we. This is a, obviously the, yeah the start. So the start of our third year, and mm-hmm. uh, we. I think we recorded an episode a couple of weeks ago about mm-hmm. the Labour leadership election, um, but uh, it, it kind of time passed. Uh, well, you, then you that night, unwell. I got food poisoning, cracked a tooth, had it ripped out, took a load of painkillers, withdrew from the painkillers. <laughs> <laughs> now you've just, you're just out of rehab. Yeah, I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty good now. Solo rehab. I'm pretty good now. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. But yeah, so what's been going on? Labour leadership. Uh, Shit. Well, we we the curse slate. I haven't got my email, but I haven't got my ballot through. Have you got your ballot through? Uh, I have not. I've had a load of texts from various candidates. Mm-hmm. No, um, no Nandy yet though. Oh, I got um, I got a bunch from Nandy. I haven't had any from from Nandy. I even got something through the post uh, from uh, Keir Starmer. The one that, addressed to me personally. The one that's um. I'm the only one who can help him. Apparently, integrity, authority, it's unity. Authority, integrity, unity. He yeah, said fine. as he clenched his fist over his breast. I just don't know. <laughs> that's a very odd. Well, you know, he's just a people. Like, he's trying. To you know, he's a unifying um, candidate that's going to unify. The Labour Party, all five hundred thousand of which are big fans of authority. It's just like it's gonna ah authority appealing to approximately twenty percent of the Labour Party base. Mm. It felt very weird because we went straight from the general election into um, Labour leadership election, and yep. then obviously people are talking about the about Bernie Sanders in America. So we're mm. kind of knee deep in presidential primaries and things like that as well. It's like very much we are never going to stop talking about. 
elections and electoralism. Yeah, so I'm not necessarily yeah. opposed to that, but um, no, I, I, electoralism sucks. Um, it's bullshit. It's a bullshit. The ism sucks. I think that it's still an important element of it, but like the actual the ism of it, the the constant um, twenty four hour news updates of no electoralism as doing, a concept you know, is yeah, wrong. That's what I mean, you'll see yeah. when Bernie when Bernie loses to three Democratic candidates sewn together in a big suit. <laughs> then you know, like they'll actually they'll move around like um oh the Quintesson in Transformers that's got like the five faces oh, that constantly yeah, yeah, rotate yeah. the judge. Though you know when when Bernie gets beaten by that by like about a percent or like one delegate, <laughs> and they expect everyone to fall into line behind the Quintesson and Trump just bites its head off or something. Um, that'll prove that uh, you know electoralism as a concept is fucking bullshit. Um, but yeah, we've got the cursed ballot. Um, which doesn't inspire much hope in anything. Um, and, you know, Rebecca Long-Bailey could have... Like, okay. When the polling first started to come out for Rebecca Long-Bailey not doing that brilliantly, mm-hmm. why couldn't she be the one that says, yeah, I'll legalise weed? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's isn't, this your... isn't just because I want to smoke weed. This isn't just because I want it to be easier. No, I'm, it's, I know it's not your it's personal a, thing, but also... No, but it's, it's, it's actually, it's a symptom of everything that's wrong with the fucking Labour Party. Why won't you do this? Oh, because we won't win this specific fucking imaginary person. It's like, you know that copper is never fucking voting for you. Yeah, I know, but also, like, they never... I mean, I agree, and I think, like, that's a silly thing to not put at least sound out on an election like mm-hmm. manifesto. Yeah. And I know like Labour have just lost an election so it's not going to be on anything. It's never going to be on a leadership election because you yeah, like it, it's not going to appeal to anyone. But it actually it's not it would appeal to a significant amount of the new fucking members of the Labour Party. It's not the kind of it's not the kind of promise you go into a leadership election. It's not the kind, well, also, it's not the kind of promise that you're going to be held to. So it's the kind of thing that you can at least sound out. And that paucity of ambition, that refusal to even try and say that we'll try something slightly different. And then, you know, they would have called her Rebecca Bonds daily, but, you know, they, they hate They're her. They're going to call her that anyway. Yeah. That Amsterdam thing. Yeah. She said she'd been to Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah, that was immediate. Yeah, but also, I'm just, I'm sick and tired of um, fucking, like, six, like, Powerful white people who've smoked a load of weed and then or yeah. taken any drugs and then say, "Oh no, but wouldn't legalize it." It's fucking. Yeah. It's disgusting, and it's just a, it's another one of those many problems I have with the fucking part. I think, like, we, I mean, yeah, like I said, we recorded like an hour, hour and a bit um, on this a couple of weeks ago, and just to sum up what I thought at the time, which I still hold yeah. more than any other. You're wrong. You said that Nandy was a better choice than Starmer. Uh, you did I say said that. She was, I've got the recordings. She she is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's insane. She's not. Very she's good. absolutely off the deep end as far as how she presents. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about mm-hmm. individual candidates. What I'm talking about is like the promise, and it's like there's so much going on that you can't really boil any of these candidates. You can't boil the contest down to anything other than I don't know if I. I don't know if I trust what they're saying yeah. now because i think that i think that at the heart of what's going on right now is aside from right or left which i don't i don't i don't even think that necessarily the enthusiasm that people are going uh for rebecca long bailey mm-hmm. or the kind of vituperation that people give to to nandy and starmer i actually think it matters less than what kind of thing once they're installed as labor leader how do they take the party forward? Yeah, is yeah. it going to be a mass party? Is it going mm-hmm. to continue doing that? Or is it going to be an elite party? Now, mm-hmm. I can't say I definitely know. I've mm-hmm. got very large suspicions that Starmer and Nandy, 
if they if one of them were to win, would find a way to either pacify, nullify, or expel mm-hmm. um, the mass membership as a, a a functional part of that Labour coalition. Well, but also, I don't see them. I don't see anybody with any particular plan of how are you going to win a general election. That's a very different thing to. Oh, Starmer's like, got a great plan. Like, he said he's going to win one. Like, like demonstrating. Yeah, your but Starmer values said he's going to win one. That's, oh yeah. That's, that's oh, well, though, there we go. I think yeah. he might be the weakest hair haircut and suit candidate I've ever seen. Yeah. Like yeah. by far, I hadn't heard him speak. I think there's a lot of people who had this experience. Yeah. I hadn't heard him speak until um, just after the election. I'd never watched any video of him, and I listened to him. And it's like. No, nice. no, not this guy. No, not him. No. no, aside from his record and everything like that, like people lauding his presentation skills, and it's like, no, no, not this one. No, no, no. Um, but what else have we had happen? Um, coronavirus. I'm looking forward to um, looking forward to how Boris is going to deal with that. Whether he'll just hide like he's been doing with the floods. I think it's really good that we've got a country so well prepared with a sober, dedicated, and. Uh, rational media structure mm. that's definitely not going to blow things out of proportion and uh, you know no, it's make good. things worse we've got um, good reliable journalists like James Ball who reckons that um, didn't he say one of his things was like 2% of the population could die <laughs> yeah. of the world yeah it was something like oh he well if we can if 30 we, and 70% if, well, it, it, might it, be he infected. said like if we assume 40 to 70% of the world is going to get infected and it's like what I mean aside from 40 to 70 being a very big gap in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I, I'm not an epidemiologist. I don't know any of that stuff. Neither he. Um, but like, where did you get that from? How like flu doesn't infect forty to seventy percent? No, he's just yeah, he's just pulling out numbers out of his ass. It's what are you like? You're just pretending. Yeah. But anyway, like I say, it's it's good that it's very good that all of this is going into such a fertile, rational, and Decent media reception, that's all I'm going to say. Of course, very importantly as well, since we last all got together, mm-hmm. uh, we left the European Union. That's it. We did. We did, um, fully. Uh, that's that's it. Brexit happened. I still can't find out if Peter Parsons is alive or dead. I like to think that he was never truly alive. He was a tolper that Bre- the Brexit class had, had Brexit formed class. into being from their collective <laughs> wish for Brexit Hugh, and songs. Somebody's going to say that in the media in the next two months. <laughs> the Brexit class. And then he achieved his goals yep. and has now faded away. Mm-hmm. With go... only YouTube memories yeah. left. Yeah, so yeah. so long, Peter Parsons, your job here is done. He just like <laughs> just knowing like when on Brexit Day, when they had like that celebration down at um Parliament Square, just up in the sky, like the clouds looking down, and he just winked at a guy in an England shirt drinking day drinking in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that um one of the guys that his horrible song got onto our Brexit list of horrible Brexit songs yeah. um, was handing out lyric sheets and did a live performance. Oh, at the celebrations? Yeah, the one, the, the telling everyone to fuck off thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's great that everyone's dealt with it so well. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course they haven't. Like, cause, I mean, the thing you'll get with every reply on Twitter about Brexit is it hasn't happened yet. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I get it. It hasn't. Properly kicked in. We are now within the withdrawal, in the interim withdrawal period. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying that God, for the last three weeks, has tried to drown us, <laughs> and clearly wants to blow us off this rock. Yeah. Due to, I think there's going to be a third consecutive weekend of storms. Yeah. This weekend. So all I'm saying is, believers, 
<laughs> Think about that. Is it because of Brexit or is it because the Remainers aren't are still like Remaining? Oh, because they don't believe. No, Remainers have gone now. That's it. Um, oh, I did see Ian Dunt was referring to the rejoin movement as um, delightfully rejoin. restrained. And it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's because they. It's like yeah, you're planning to restrain. The thing is, that's one of the things I worry about with Keir Starmer that you know that he'll give a fucking speech on rejoin. Yeah, because pl- replaying the politics of the last three and a half years is going to be a real winner. Yep. Yep. Well, look, um, Labour didn't do brilliantly in the last elections, and I just wish they'd done as well as the Lib Dems. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, ugh, ugh. So, have you, are you ordering a passport? I saw someone, um, there were quite a few people who hurried to order passports to make sure they had the EU Burgundy so they wouldn't have to have the Brexit blue. What? What? really bums me out about a lot of the culture war stuff around Brexit is the extent to which it's just kind of synchronised around exactly the same things. Yeah. So it's all kind of, oh, well, <laughs> they just want their blue passports back. Oh, I must have the burgundy one. Yeah. I, can you can you not, can anybody not stop? I know we're all trapped in the, in the belly of this horrible machine and like the commercialism and, and yeah. these particular ways of wearing your politics in public. Yeah is entirely filtered through material and capitalist means. But can we just, like, not? Can we not (laughs) do that? Can we not have Brexit songs? Look, the way the Remain movement, the Rejoin movement, will win over people and will be back in the EU by Christmas is if they get pissy... A number one (laughs) chart-topping hit. (laughs) Maybe. Or if they get really pissy about not being able to show a Burgundy passport when they go to the Alps. (laughs) <laughs> That'll really win people over. I, I, it just we every day we tumble further, mm-hmm. and from a, that particular kind of politics that I loved Corbyn for, which was, oh, you're actually talking about like schools and no, you know, uh, adult education, no, and Green New Deal and and no, stuff we, like that. You saw no, a, we're just you saw the about um, our toys. You saw the um the early entry into hottest take of the year of um, why we shouldn't be talking about adult education about um there was this bloke's um staunch anti-communist mother um grandmother who was, was a literate father the most anti-communist person i ever knew was illiterate because obviously the last <laughs> the last refuge of defending the yeah the communist system is always yeah. look at what it did for literacy which was you know pretty yeah. good very good um so of course at some point you have to find a way <laughs> Of undermining the concept of literacy. Reading actually bad. <laughs> Which, but you know, these people are normally like massive read. Harry Potter fans. You can't so read propaganda. Because they could just watch the films. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily associate reading Harry Potter with literacy, but no. No. But you know, they could always watch the films. But then I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like. It's... I, I feel that like quite a lot about a lot of stuff at the moment. Like, I'm, I'm not taking that black pill. It, it looks delicious. It's mm. fine. It's, it's right there. You could just, you could just take it. It's, it's still mm. there. It's right there. But. A lot of this is still in that confusing period after the election. Like we've now got a you know authoritarian right government that really has no constraints on it, and mm-hmm. I feel like talking about cultural things, cultural ways of opposing the Tories and the rightward shift. Uh, I feel I feel so disillusioned by any any notion of that at this point that. Well, that stuff's not. Gonna, I just don't know. That stuff's never going to really help. No, but it, I mean, I'm not so so down on it. It does help unify a sense of purpose. But yeah, at, at this point, like, you know, may, I did see someone say on Twitter the other day talk about how you know there are 
crests and, and nadirs of, of left-wing kind of activism and thought, mm-hmm. and one was the Iraq War, didn't really cement any kind of proper uh, movements or groups um, in the wider movement of everybody who marched against the Iraq War. Yeah. Um, Corbyn was another moment, and we'll see what's left I guess after I don't know. There's also after there's, what after what happens. I don't know? think that's kind happens, of, happens. I, know, I think that's also kind of playing into the notion that um, after the election, everyone's gone. Um, no, but, I don't think. Um, that we'll see. I think I think everyone's still down, um, and yeah. we'll see how. The thing is, I want the once the Labour. The thing is, it was a good idea of the almost. It feels like a good idea of the right to have a nice long leadership election straight after to lecture us on why we were wrong. Because mm. that's the point. That's why, like, the the criticism of um, Rebecca Long Bailey as a conti- continuity candidate and shit like that, yeah. it's just to repeatedly tell us that we were wrong and that we, we are, all our ideas are stupid. I mean, also to continue the kind of use of that toxicity and that mm-hmm. weaponization of things like anti-Semitism mm-hmm. and friendship with Hamas and everything on a candidate who mm-hmm. doesn't really have any of that. And yeah, yeah. It's just a, to, to, that's too useful a weapon to put away at this point. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Do another telly review. Yeah, you you were like, oh, Hugh, look, there's this this program. It looks fucking horrible. We the should watch it. The trailer looked so horrible. Like what I wanted to look at because it looked terrible, but terrible in a oh, this is the kind of telly we're making now. Yep. Um, I'm talking about Cobra, aka the country is dead from too much solar. <laughs> um, which is it does sound it, it is a show that's kind of like that um, Mitchell and Webb sketch about I'm afraid this man is dead from too much electric. Yeah, it it's does have um, that level of boneheadedness. It really is bad. Hmm. There's like yeah, come on. Um, do you, um, you want to explain? So this is a political thriller. The synopsis reads, the Prime Minister and his Chief of Staff must contend with impossible political decisions whilst also wrestling with ferociously pressured personal lives in the context of a solar flare hitting Britain and shorting out the national grid Mm -hmm. so that everywhere is without electricity. Uh, Not only do they bear the weight of public expectation and their family's needs, they must also be mindful of their political opponents who will use any sign of weakness as an opportunity to strike. Show writer Ben Richards said, in a culture which predominantly holds politicians and public servants up for mockery and ridicule, I wanted to make a show that showed them as real, complex human beings dealing with life and death issues. Uh, how did you feel about these life and death issues, you? <laughs> I thought it was pile of shit. Um, yeah, it's it's like, shit. it's bad. Oh, it's atrocious. Um, yeah. But that, you know, you, a lot of that you could say is a taste thing of like the way they do it. But realistically, continuity-wise, it's all over the fucking job. Um, Aside from its politics, yeah, yeah. the it, show is put together terribly. Yeah, it, um, it leans on like real bad science mumbo jumbo chat to pat out as many scenes as pat out as many scenes as yeah. possible um there's fake jeopardy constantly yeah which is just galling and slow to watch mm-hmm. and the characters are dull as fuck yeah they um 
they they might be real characters, but those real characters are taken straight from the Twitter bios of your favourite blue ticks. <laughs> they really are. Yeah, they have a lot to say about Twitter in the show, actually, don't they? Um, well, a little bit. There is yeah. there is a horrible bit with um one of the characters getting Twitter abuse, and the camera very pointedly focuses on badly spelt Twitter abuse, <laughs> which is like, oh, I see what's going on here. Um, but yeah, it's like it's not just badly written; it's a there's like a fundamental misunderstanding about how the country works and its pol- and the politics and how politics works in general. It's an incredibly shallow, shallow show. Um, but it's just wrong. Yeah, it's just fundamentally wrong. Um, the most interesting thing about it isn't the lack of clarity about where it has power, and where it doesn't have power, which seems to just be at random. That's seemingly. electricity. We're not even talking yeah. about like political power. We're talking about actual yeah. electricity. Um, or the stupid storyline with the Bosnian lost love who's become an assassin. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so just a little thing we've got. So we're in a post-Brexit Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a liberal conservative prime minister. He's a nice guy. He's mm-hmm. a very nice guy. So he's Robert he's, Sutherland as played by Robert Carlyle. Yeah, he wants to solve inequality problems. There's even mention of him tackling social care to try and make the country better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, his chief of staff is a former war correspondent. She has very short hair because yeah. you know she's she's got that pixie cut. That's uh, she's the character Anna Marshall, played by Victoria Hamilton, mm. who was in The Crown, I think. Was she? She I was. Know. I think she was Queen Mary in The Crown. Oh, okay. Um, she she was like a war correspondent that covered the Bosnian War. She is also this is important liberal. She is. She's. They explicitly say it. They she's, explicitly say she's muscular liberal because no, she's, they, they literally say she's, there's no there's because no 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 you're, no, you're getting is. no she you're going to get it very wrong no. because they are all what are seen by people who are who would have voted for Change UK as good liberal policies. She is in favour of foreign intervention because she's seen what happens if you don't do it fast enough. There is there is one point when she is talking to um, another character, uh, and uh, so there's there's a, a character who she's trying to get into the government all through this uh, this show called uh, France. She doesn't spend she doesn't Francine try and get her all into the show. She spends twenty minutes of one episode and then she's in the government. Um, she's not she, in the show for a bit and then she yeah, she's in the government. She, yeah, yeah. She, Francine Bridges, who mm. is an um, ex Labour MP. She is. I've got it here. She is a principled progress. This is her description of herself: a principled progressive social democrat, former Labour MP, who was chased out of the party because momentum fugs threw bricks through her window because her kids are in private school <laughs> um, by the end of the series it's implied she is running for the con- she is running for mp again yeah. as a conservative yes <laughs> it is 100 percent implied uh, yeah because yeah, she says there's a whole speech she has at the end about um i want to get back into frontline politics i have a part uh i am a she says i am a i am a principled social democrat uh, i just watched this episode <coughs> today so i'm sure i remember it um i'm a principled uh, progressive social democrat whose core values are ending poverty and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, surely there must be a party out there for me. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, um, yeah. So Anna tries to convince her to join the Tories a lot, yeah. and it doesn't take much. But the the bit that I was particularly talking about, which was probably in the first episode, was mm-hmm. my first. Oh my fucking god! Mm-hmm. Which was she meets up Anna, the chief of the government chief of staff, mm-hmm. meets up with this ex Labour MP uh, Francine Francine Bridges. And they're having a drink on what looks like South Bank. And she says, uh, are we so different, really? Uh, she's talking to her, trying to convince her to join the Tory party. 
And she says, uh, oh, well, what do we disagree on so much? And the ex-Labour MP says, the unquestionable superiority of Western values. Anna replies, hey, I've seen the alternative, right? When the fuck has any Labour MP, ex or otherwise, ever said, oh, I question the superiority of Western values? Yeah. Is there any, any of them? No, the whole point. Like Corbyn would be the closest, and I don't think he's ever explicitly worded his anti-imperialism in that, no, the in that whole, way. No, the whole point of her is she's supposed to be an amalgam of all the Labour MPs that were chased out of the party by horrible momentum thugs. Yeah, that, and that they're true left wingers. Yeah, they're left wingers in the truest sense. In the Ozcat and GB being in the Lib Dems, <laughs> Bloodworth being in the Lib Dems. Well, he's not in the Lib Dems, but he got kicked out of the party now. <laughs> that's the that's the that's like the the kind of main interesting thing about this. So this is a political thriller that a lot of them uh, a lot of tv shows don't explicitly name the parties you can usually tell mm. um which party they're portraying but in that kind of yes minister mm. mold they make the parties similar enough that you can just call one the government and mm. one the opposition and you don't have to go into much more detail this is not one of those shows mm-hmm. robert carlyle is explicitly a tory mm-hmm. prime minister uh with a tory cabinet and they are explicitly uh uh, the opposition are explicitly Labour, explicitly Corbyn's Labour. Um, but you only ever see one the, Labour MP ever do anything. The opposition is entirely absent no, no, from no. this entire okay. show. There, the, the opposition are mentioned twice in the show. There's one bit in during Prime Minister's questions when the Prime Minister, his daughter, has a, there's a drug situation, mm-hmm. um, which we'll explain later on, and the opposition asks a question, bearing in mind that the country has no electric. All the electric, gone. Electricity, gone. Not just down, fried. Yeah. yeah. Countries in a very bad state. Labour government ask about the, about the Prime Minister's daughter being caught up in a drug scandal. Because yeah. that's all they care about. All they care about is making political headway. <laughs> um, and the only other time is when the Prime Minister and his wife are talking about calling an election. And she says, but if you call an election, the next guest around this table could be Hezbollah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's like... There's... Hezbollah could organise a functioning infrastructure <laughs> in a country that's under, like, un- under, like, had a natural disaster or war. Probably like, they've than... proven that. They have a proven track record. There's, um, there's, so, like, politically, the enemy, because they're not going to talk about Corbyn's Labour, is, because, you know, he's not the true opposition anyway, um, is the, Tor- the hardline Tory Home Secretary, mm-hmm. who's... Um, uh, the ho- he's, that, planning- he's a Archie Morgan, played by David Haig, who does not appear to have aged since, like, four weddings and a funeral. No, not really. Like, it's crazy. Um, he probably looked like that when he was, like, 20. Yeah. <laughs> he's been cursed. Um, but, like, he's planning a coup, but it's unclear as to what he wants, because he's also aware that he can't win the votes to be leader, so it really is just he's trying to get rid of the, the Tory Prime Minister out of, sp- like, an old-fashioned spite because he doesn't like how popular the Liberal Tory is. Yeah. That's literally how it's done, that they're planning to get rid of him. But the thing is, there's a scene with Anna and this old Tory who he grabs her, and she says... Um, yeah, she has a throwaway line where she says, get your hands off me, that she's not some young volunteer you can get handsy with on the battle bus to remind you that she's strong. She's not like some victim, which does, that betrays yeah. a lot about what the writer thinks. She also gets to have a lot of interactions with her son, who is, uh, um, she is, the his, her son is a Corbynista of, like, sprung to life from a parody Twitter account. Yes, 100%. Who she defeats yeah. solidly with logic and reason. 
Um, you know, she talks about the reality of war. I think at one point she tells she gets angry because she gets really angry at people who take for granted what they've got. Yeah, because I what I saw in Bosnia yeah, was what she, happens when everything every civilization breaks down. Yeah, there's a lot of that with her, which is just tiring in the extreme. <laughs> um there's Oh yeah, there's um then there's the guy who's probably the guy that the writer likes the most, who's this Irish civil servant who is a former Labour member who's in charge of fixing electric. Oh yeah, it's a Fraser. The, the guy is Fraser Walker, played by Richard Dornan, who played Beric Dondarrion in Game of Thrones. Ah, yes. Um, and actually, like Beric Dondarrion, um, he's a former Labour lem- Labour member that left for reasons. Oh yeah, he says for all the reasons, and he describes himself as a bit homeless with a wry chuckle while sitting on the M1 because they're stuck in like a horrible blockade while trying to get to the north to fix a natural disaster and he's having a wry chuckle about how he doesn't know who yeah, to vote well, yeah, for yeah because it, it's there's a moment he's sitting down <laughs> with the ex-labor uh with yeah. francine the ex-labor mp who they, they and those two bang uh those two bang at some point and uh he said uh, i think uh the archie archie the home the hard right home secretary says to him oh you're you're red rose aren't you i can yeah. tell yeah and he's sitting down with this ex-Labour MP and it's like, oh, I, d- I didn't leave the party, the party left me. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I believe in things, but I just feel a little homeless. Yes. And it's like, so, like almost looking to the camera. There's so many um, proper Twitter tropes. Oh yeah, it's constant. And, and greatest hits from like 2005 to 2016. Yeah. yeah. So like, there's a point where... A press secretary is briefing a bunch of press on the Prime Minister going to see this natural disaster, how it's affected the North, right? And uh, he's going in, a, the Prime Minister's going in a car, all the journalists are going in a bus. And uh, one of the journalists asks, Oh, are you going to put some kind of message of hope on the bus? And the press secretary goes, oh, I would have thought you, would be- you wouldn't believe anything written on the side of a bus. Yeah. And it's like, Motherfucker, they won. Yeah. They won with the thing that was written on the side <laughs> of that bus. You can't just keep crowing on these same yeah. things. So these main characters, um, they are—they hold prominent positions in government. They are politicking around. There's mm-hmm. a coup in the air from the hard right of the Tory party against this centrist Tory PM, who's a good guy. He's, he's a good guy. He's liberal, but he just doesn't understand the modern world sometimes. But he's tough. There's an amazing line um, which, again, betrays the writer's lack of understanding about how the government in this country works, mm-hmm. where... To to make the coup happen, the Home Secretary wants to trap the Prime Minister in lying to Parliament. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That thing that definitely how matters. You, how could you write... <laughs> like, say this came out last year. Yeah. You know, I, I know, like, TV can take a long time to do, but yeah. say they, say, he st- say it came out in 2019, say he, start, say he even started writing in 2017. Yeah. Who in the, who in the, the year of our Lord 2017 <laughs> could write that without going, this doesn't seem right? Because <laughs> it's just fucking bollocks. I think, like... I, I, I want to go through like the plot mm. in, in a couple of stages. It's not a great plot. It won't take very oh, long. No, shocking. But, um, I think the main thing to bear in mind in this is, yes, that is the key thing to take away from this. It feels like a eulogy to everything the centre has lost since 2016. It is definitely a wish fulfilment mourning of the proper way politics should be done. Yeah, yeah. Which is very strange in something that's aiming to be a somewhat realistic political thriller. Yeah, yeah. It's just, there's a, so many odd choices with the way that they've 
um, portrayed. It's not an odd choice. Though. They know, they think they know they're right. They think yeah. they're right anyway. They they one hundred percent think they're right. Everyone in the room when they were making it thought they were right. The people who commissioned it agree with the way the world works in that in this man's head. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I mean, the the show opens up with uh, the prime minister going into the Cobra Room uh, mm. and being warned that there's going to be this huge solar flare event that might happen. We're going to get too it's much 50, sun. It's a, we're going to get too much solar, and it's going to fry the national grid. Yeah. Right. So, in the middle of this, Anna, the chief of staff, is dealing with a Bosnian translator who she knew while she was a war correspondent, and is turning up at her doorstep. Uh, the Prime Minister, Robert Carlyle, is dealing with the fact that his daughter has, um, who's just graduated, has been to a modern drugs party. All I could think of, there was a drugs party scene of this, of the PM's daughter uh, taking drugs, and she's got the kind of, like, tea. Oh, no, it's amazing. First off... Explain that. Okay, first off, while I was watching it, I was like... They're, they're drinking tea. Are they drinking opium tea? Are they doing mushrooms? That's my first thought. Like, I thought okay, it was they're opium doing opium tea. or they're doing mushrooms. It's like, but this seems a bit weird. It's like straight away, it's like out with the drug tea. But then, oh no, later on you find out it's fentanyl tea. Yeah. Who the fuck drinks fentanyl tea? That is just killing yourself. Well, that's just like. Did you then, hear the explanation for why they brewed the fentanyl tea? It's no, like no. we wanted to do coke, but we didn't have enough to go no. around. No, they um, they wanted to calm down from and coke. they wanted to calm down from the coke. From they the wanted to calm down from the coke. Yeah, they, they wanted yeah. to calm down from their coke with fentanyl tea. And when they're pouring the tea, the PM's daughter goes, "Shall I play mum?" Yeah. Which is, I had to. My partner, right, uh, is of that. Indian extraction, born in Leicester, but like doesn't understand a lot of English idioms. Hmm. I've had to explain the "Can I? I'll be mother." Yeah. So many times, and to hear it in yeah, the year of our Lord twenty twenty, yeah. is. Was, when pouring was, a nice warm baffling. cup of fentanyl tea, all I could think of was like it's all these like young people. They're having they're having drug tea, and all I could think of was like I'm at a modern drugs party. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that man's smoking a crack. <laughs> yeah, it, it was very much that. It's um, very... and then exactly ha- the thing happens that would happen when you try and calm yourself down from coke with fentanyl tea, and that is her <laughs> mate dies. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and uh, 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 the running drugs plot is that the daughter is persuaded by the press secretary to lie and say she didn't know where the drugs from. There's not much point in going into it because all of the side stories in this feel like they're very much trying to distract from the fact that the main plot point of this show that the sun is going to hit Britain and fry all the electrics is really poorly done. At the end of the by the end of the first episode, we have a plane crash from planes being diverted because of. Well, you've missed uh, out on a very activity. important thing in, yeah. in like one of the first bits of False Jeopardy. Um, they spend the whole ep- the whole of the first episode trying to make you unsure as to whether it's going to fry out the electrics yeah, or yeah. not, as if that you know it is like the cobra. Oh, no, it's fine. Like, oh, it's fifty fifty whether it's going to happen. Yeah. It's like oh no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen because otherwise it wouldn't be a fucking show. You dumb asses. <laughs> but anyway, so they do that, and then the um, so by the end of the first episode, we have uh, the solar flare hit in Britain. It's as bad as it could possibly be, mm-hmm. according to the people in the show, mm-hmm. and they demonstrate this by uh, there's lights in London go out. Yeah, that's it. No, <laughs> that's um, it. The lights in London go out, and a plane um, a mistake, mistakes the motorway for um, for a landing for strip. a landing strip, and there's a plane crash. Yeah. yeah. Um, then we get into kind of how Britain copes with no electricity. Mm-hmm. It copes with this by sitting in rooms and explaining things to each other mm-hmm. very slowly. <laughs> um, you get it mentioned that 
there have been special tribunals set up, the army's on the streets, uh, the police are stretched, and their main thing that they keep reiterating, which I thought was interesting, given that Robert Carlyle is supposed to be a centrist uh, conservative leader in the mould of a David Cameron, compassionate mm. conservative, the thing that they keep emphasising is the biggest danger is they can't get emergency staff to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Right, so that means like yeah, police. But they're we know what they're really talking about. They're talking about nurses and doctors, mm-hmm. because the thing about compassionate conservatism is, it doesn't matter anything else that they do. They will always just talk about the NHS. Yeah. They could be actually cutting the NHS mm-hmm. at the time that they're talking, mm-hmm. but all they will talk about at, it's the same when strikes happen. Mm-hmm. They will only talk about. But key workers can't get to their yeah. place of work. Um, they in the first episode actually they do emphasise the cost of business a lot. They're like, yeah. he refuses to ground flights. Yeah, because of what it would do Because of what it would do to the economy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to die. Actually, yeah, they you would could... do that. But I could see yeah. them doing that exactly. That they'd go and they do a cost-benefit analysis of it. Yeah. And kill a bunch of people. Um, yeah, they set up special tribunals, uh, which are mentioned, and they're never, ever brought up again. No. No. There's a fascinating series. There's a fascinating scene there about showing someone hauled up before these special tribunals. Yeah, for stealing a bag of rice or watching this, stealing some candles. Yeah, to illustrate like the extraordinary circumstances that a country, I say again, without electricity mm-hmm. is going to go through. But yeah. no, they, they, they choose not to do that. Um, the Prime Minister in this Cobra room is told that the worst hit areas, there are four areas that are worst hit, mm-hmm. um, which is North, uh, East Anglia, Scotland... North Wales and the North East. Yeah. These are the places that are our worst hit. Everywhere else, they are described as, basically, they're going into the streets and getting pissed. Yeah. So, again, that's a perfect sentence. But also, the, the, the electricity is going to be back on quicker in those places. Yeah. Uh, it turns out the electricity in the other places is back on, in 80% of the UK, is back on within 24 hours. Yeah. I, yeah. Just That just happens. Yeah. That's just the way it works. But, um, but they, 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 um, they need to replace generators... But they've owned, but they need to replace four of the blimblams, mm. but they've only got three blimblams. Yes, and so they have to choose one of the blimblams to suffer. Yeah, and so they choose the northeast. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a joke about it, like about not giving it to Wales, and then they all laugh about it. And like the Welsh head of MI5, who's a lesbian, because you know you got your diversity, but she's also a mega cop. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do, and she's spectacularly like um, extra legal and bloodthirsty as oh, well. Yeah. She yeah. actively gets involved in the coup against the Prime Minister. Up until the point that um, that he shows that he's got the willingness to fire at the civilians. Yeah. And then she's like, I'm fine with him now. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll get to that. But um, yeah, so they ch- it's one of, the big, one of the first massive gaping plot holes in this thing. So they, they, they have to order a, a flimflam from Germany. A transformer. Flimflam. Yeah. Um, it could be just a flimflam because, like, a lot of the, st- the oh, technical, yeah, it's a, the technical yeah, it's a yeah. MacGuffin. So they have to order it from Germany, and they, you know, they do Amazon next day delivery shipping and all that kind of shit. But it has to travel at fifteen mile an hour. So they bring it in at like um, they bring it in in the southeast. They bring it in at Tilbury. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm just just I I don't know why I'm going to assume that the writer has not left the M25. Yeah. Um, there are ports. Yeah. Like in the northeast. It's like to Did get you into know Northumbria. That in the northeast, yeah. In the northeast, there are places that ships can alight. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's so incredible. So the plan stupid. is to drive it all the way to the north at fifteen mile an hour. <laughs> <They're>, like, <laughs> it's they choose Northumberland to be the one without power, right? And yeah. I assume this is because 
in they the in the alternate well in the alternate scenarios <laughs> they base this entire series in Scotland but they can't do that because then you have independence <laughs> ditto north wales oh yeah they're not going to talk about they didn't because that would add too much politics yeah. into your political thriller and you'd have to know something for the north for the northeast ironically for the 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 geography the show is trying to set out this writer clearly thinks everywhere else is just a flat terrain that is all the same. Mm. Um, I'd say actually the reason why it's it doesn't come into question whether it's Scotland or Wales is because it, it just they don't care. There's no discussion um, of like, like. There's no way that they'll, they'll say that no, an English audience won't like it. They'll be. Yeah, they'll be. Uh, I know I, what the I, kind of discussions they so, have yeah. in these things. They'd say yeah. no. They'd say I, no, I, I mean, there's no English. discussion. There's no discussion of like. Uh, Population sizes, population no. distribution, whether they have local facilities that could actually take care of things. No. It kind they kind of don't really explain it, which is like key in this show to saying the writer just wanted it that way or the writer yeah. wanted it that way. Yeah, so everybody's like uh, everybody in the rest of the country is partying away. Um, Anna, the the PM's chief of staff, goes to meet her an old her old Yugoslavian, uh, I think Bosnian uh, Muslim. A Bosnian Muslim um, ex ex. I think it's implied that they're an ex. Which it certainly is. Well, no, they say they it. fuck in a bit. Yeah, yeah they... which leads to this amazing scene where, for some reason, all the government buildings obviously have power. They have generators. This hotel that they she meets this Bosnian translator in is just candlelit. Everybody's like except, hanging around. A bit. Except for continuity, continuity wise, and for just the the director. They missed on, on out on a couple of lights that were just there. Yeah, <laughs> there are candles just... everywhere, but there's like a light there, and there's a light there, there's a light there. <laughs> and you know they're talking through their experiences about this that translator trying to find his sister in the in the town that. She also, was, no one worries about covering. losing charge on their phones. That's a thing throughout this whole show. Everyone's phones are always fully charged all the time. Um, all the all the important people, because all the important people are going back and forth between London, which mm-hmm. for the majority of this series has power. Yeah. They do mention that somebody like people were trying to charge their phones in the hospital that's set mm-hmm. up as the like head the main area in Northumberland for like emergency response. But in any case. The, the PM's chief of staff goes to this hotel and she's meeting up with this guy. There's a sexual free song. There's not. It's terribly written. I, mm. I really didn't see it. It just comes out of nowhere. Um, and suddenly the light plays across their faces mm-hmm. and they look outside as they see Aurora Borealis <laughs> at this time of year in this part of the world localised entirely in her hotel. Balkans love nest. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, it's because of the solar flare. And it's like, yeah, sure, why not? Why? Yeah, why, they just show up at Aurora Borealis. And that's when they fuck. Yeah, um, um, because, you know, the Aurora Borealis <laughs> made them do it. But yeah, the... um, It was at this point I was trying to ask, when they were showing scenes of all of the people partying, I was like, when are you going to get to the rioting factory? Just to cram two Simpsons references right <laughs> in there. There's, um, the, it's after they have their little, their little tryst. Um, that's when... It's like as they're leaving the hotel, you have a put-upon hotel worker filling the generator up with petrol um, in the basement, filling up a generator with petrol, and there's like a whole bunch of rags in this weird petrol chamber at the bottom of a base, yeah, yeah, yeah. bottom of a hotel, which strikes me as a whole literally like unsafe. But everything goes wrong and the whole place burns down. Weirdly enough, none of the fire alarms go off, as if they're connected to the mains, but they're not. It's just like oh, okay, fine. It's, but that whole that whole scene um, is solely so that somebody gets a photo of her and her oh, Balkans yeah. lover together. Oh yeah, no, this is for um, later political purposes. Character motivation in this series and what happens to characters in this series is is entirely based around his plot that he thinks is good. Mm. The writer 
and they just they just dance to this plot, which is shit, and they all act inhuman. Yeah. Um, we then go into, I think, for a really one of the more objectionable scenes uh, from from this show. Yeah, the end of the um, second episode. So like once the power once the electric has all been stolen by by evil Papa Sam, yeah, um, because he stole all the electric to make the romantic Aurora Borealis, yeah, um, you constantly having that there's this um, an internment center for people who are about to be deported. It's an immigration center, yes, yes, but not just a normal immigration center. Because this is an immigration centre for hardened criminals. So, yeah. They, they, they literally say that. They, hardened one of, one criminals. Of, one of the kind of sub-characters we follow is a gold commander for the Northumberland area, which has been named the Red Zone, yep. because it doesn't have any electricity, and it is the area that's most affected by this solar flare. And we follow this gold commander um, to the immigration centre, and it's set up exactly like a zombie film. Mm-hmm. It's you. They drive up to it at night, and the barrier is all mm-hmm. broken, and you see people coming past. The civil contingencies guy, Fraser, the, the Irish mm-hmm. guy, Beric Dondarrion, has gone with him to uh, see see what's happened at this at this immigration centre, and you see a line of people going out, and the police commander remarks, huh, these just look like asylum seekers to me. What, what do you mean they look like asylum? Yeah. Like, they look like... That's their legal status. That's yeah. not what they look like. Anyway, he very much makes that distinction, and that distinction becomes completely null and void when they get to the immigration centre and find out that people have set fires and attacked the like commander, the the mm. overseer of the um, of the the, the centre, and they've stabbed him, and they're going to they're they're rioting. Basically, they've escaped. They've escaped. Uh, they get the the commander out, and there's a whole scene of them trying to get this stabbed guy into the car. While asylum seekers stroke hardened criminals, again they still make that distinction. Run at the car mm-hmm. like a zom- like zombies. One mm-hmm. of them clambers onto the bonnet, and they have to do that thing where they ride drive really fast and then brake so that the guy yep. goes flying. <laughs> it's fucking horrific. It is, but it gets worse because then we have. Um, it looked like Kurtz's camp in Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Then we have a scene where it's like one of the nearest places to this internment camp yeah. is um, a university halls. Yeah. Where they then the cameras go through very slowly. As you see, it's been smashed to pieces. Yeah. And there's a blood-soaked bed. It's a... Because they have set upon... A, they yeah well they they go on a rampage at it's university. the final the final shot of episode two is like a bloody bedsheet and they open like episode three with like uh descriptions of what happened which is a load of the uh, asylum seekers turned up to uh literally they show the scene it's the philosophical society ball <laughs> which is come on you've yeah. got to be better about this dog whistling <laughs> it's clearly like you fucking humanity students, you open borders cunts, finally got a taste of your own rape gang medicine. Yeah, a rape gang led by a man called Freckles because of the acid scars on his face from him flinging acid at an ex-girlfriend <laughs> who then raped someone and uh, is on the run. Yeah, I just think it's it had to be a university, didn't it? it yeah. They had to feed into the fact that they had to feed into culture war shit. Yeah. They just they couldn't let it alone. They could have been a human rights centre. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been an abortion clinic. If this had been a STEM if this had been a STEM society ball, <laughs> they would have been completely fine. Yeah, they would have but just no. they would have engaged them on the battle place of ideas. It had to be humanities. 
an extremely reactionary element of the yeah. show. Oh yeah, horrendous. Um, but then because of that, we have the formation of a group called People's Justice. Yes. So now, yeah, People's Justice are immediately like this is like the next day after what's happened at this university. Yeah. Um, a bunch of racist white men start wearing red armbands. Yeah. Um, they're they're technically. I mean, the first time you see the people with the red armbands, they're in the makeshift refugee camp that is around the Northumberland Hospital, mm-hmm. which has serves as like the headquarters of the emergency response. And you see them handing out bottles of water, and one of the guys who's handing out a bottle of water um, skips an Indian guy uh, with his daughter. And gives it to a white lady. The white lady goes, oh no, this guy was, was next. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy goes, says something like, uh, ladies first in this country. Um, yeah, sound like that. Um, and the the brown guy has vitiligo, is it vitiligo? Where you have the white uh, he stuff? has vitiligo, which is yeah, the patch so, of uh, pale, paler skin. So skin. immediately these red armband racists immediately assume that he's this rapist freckles that's on the run. Yeah. And to prove, like, okay, so basically... You've got a bunch of people that feel like they're left behind in the north, uh-huh. and they immediately put on red armbands, mistake a man as a rapist, and then they literally try and lynch him. Yeah, they attach they attach his neck to a a, 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 a leather thing which they attach to a motorbike, and the one copper yeah. who appears to be well, actually no, not just that, the only person that actually tries to stop this. Everyone is everyone's paying for blood. The only person that tries to stop this is the police because this is a recurring thing throughout the whole thing is. Um, legitimate authority and illegitimate authority. Yes, yeah. and like the policeman will throw himself between. And this is the policeman that earlier on said about um, oh, they all look like asylum seekers to me. Um, and he fr- throws himself to defend him. It's like you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy, and saves this um this Muslim guy. Yeah. Um, it's just gross, and they're led by a guy called I forgot his name. Uh, the leader's name is Scott Minette. That's I mean, it. by like they explain it as like this people's justice movement is a melding of civic groups in quotes mm-hmm. and local resilience forums, which yeah. seem to be some kind of citizens protection bands. Yeah. Like, um, and they're led by this guy who is <clears throat> he's a former soldier mm-hmm. with mixed race children. They specify that he. Um, this is yeah. Um, his dad was a union man and a quote thinker. Yes, he very much says that because, yeah. like, the implication that he's a traditional Red Wall Labour guy, who um, is literally the normal amount of racist that's common amongst the working class. The journalist that's following him everywhere says that he thinks he's very normal. Yeah, that's like a very specific point that he is the normal amount of racist. I think they actually have a line where so this Scott Minette gets on all the kind of media outlets and is giving his side of the story and is very much a leader of this like left behind and eventually it becomes a vigilante group and an, an insurrectionary group and the first time you meet him he's being in- interviewed by an Indian uh, TV journalist who's also gay uh, uh, is that oh really yeah I, he, I makes it, he makes a joke about him bumming him ah okay fair enough um, the first interview he has which is Oh, you, you know, you think we're all racist. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're all kind of all the same, and it's like, okay, they're trying to play this quasi-fascist militia leader, mm. and they're trying to. I, I don't. They don't do this with any left-wing character in the entire show, but give him a shade 
of plausible deniability. The fact that he has mixed race kids, yeah. the fact that he comes from a union family, mm-hmm. the fact that uh, he tries to, uh, he says, oh no, the lynching of that Indian guy was wrong. Mm-hmm. But the second that, it's very strange, in this very extreme situation, they're interviewing somebody who's basically taken over political and like coercive authority in particular areas mm-hmm. in the Northeast. And they get him on th- on the TV to talk about his philosophies and how he's how he's managing things, and he goes into a spiel about how you can't put up England flags, yep. and how I just want my kids to speak English in schools. And it's yeah. like, where did this come from? Yeah, like this is culture war shit. Mm-hmm. Why are you putting that in somebody's mouth? I, uh, the hard right Home Secretary literally uses the word mm-hmm. legitimate concerns towards the end of this show. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the the description of this is of this fascist group is is given so many outs. Mm-hmm. It's given so many leniencies, so many complications that they do not allow for the left wing forces in this in this show. Well, there's one left wing force. There is one left wing force. Now? We should talk about him. Yeah. Okay, so Harry Rountree, the comrade lead, Harry. Yeah, they literally call him that. Um, yeah, leader of the lorry drivers union. Yeah, who. He wants to use the crisis specifically to raise the pay floor for his members. Yeah. They say it a number of times. He blockades roads. He blocks the M25, restricting necessary supplies. And he yeah. immediately, immediately sides with the fascist. Like, literally at the drop of a hat. As it's soon as the fascist is on TV, crazy. he is on side. Yeah. Um, you know, like like Brexit. Yeah. Like Brexit. Uh, Did you get it? Did you get it? It's like Brexit. Did you get it? It's like Brexit. It's like Brexit. It's like Brexit. It's like Brexit. It's exactly like Brexit. It's Brexit. Um, He's Harry Rowntree, and he's played by um, the guy with the kind of gravelly voice from Chernobyl, the head of the factory. Is it? Yeah. He's got a very distinctive voice. He's got a very particular kind of voice that lends lends towards those stuff. He's brought into it by the fact that there have been... um, like lorry drivers are getting stopped and beaten up as they're carrying supplies back and forth yeah. across these affected areas. Um, by this point, by the way, most of the other areas in the country, other than Northumberland, the red zone, yeah. is fine. Yep. They're absolutely fine. Um, he, this union leader, Harry Roundtree, uh, gets invited, like threatens to go on, 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 like put the lorry drivers on strike unless mm-hmm. they're protected more. Um, he is played as like you've seen it a thousand times. Oh yeah, he's the, the worst. union, the big, the big dog oh, in the union. They even say like um, the woman who's a former Labour MP. He's a thug. Um, he doesn't yeah. have the support of his members behind him. He's acting like a dictator. Yeah, because he's, he's because it is a key tenet of centrist thought. That whenever there's more than a few people who believe a thing, they're right, they're just misled. Yeah. It's a weird quasi-democratic way of getting mm-hmm. around the fact that normally their decisions are not very popular or beneficial to the people that they're ruling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, this this leads to... Um, this this kind of situation in, in Northumberland leads to the Prime Minister having to like hike his way up there. Um, no, noticeably, he doesn't think about going up to Northumberland to visit it um, because the power's out. He literally does it in response to the rape of a white girl yeah. by some kind of Lithuanian animal or orc. They seem to be describing about... <laughs> you mean Freckles, yeah. the leader of the roving band of asylum seekers Somewhere... that are menacing the Northeast, oh, that are then never mentioned that are again. never mentioned again. There's a kind well, of... Well, they just a, disperse a, into there's... the forest and become one with the forest. <laughs> They're just woodland creatures now. <laughs> there's a vague plot... They're like, like dryads. There's a, there's a vague impulse that the mob surrounding this hospital... Yeah thinks that this uh, Lithuanian rapist is being kept inside and so that's why they're trying to get in to try and like kill her and kill him 
and the Prime Minister goes up there to calm tensions. And I think one of the one of the key points of this show that tells you what it's really about. The Prime Minister goes up there, is told about, oh, we've got grave security concerns, we can't guarantee your safety. Does the usual thing, tours the hospital, but then he has this thing where, like, whenever he swears, he turns into angry macho Prime Minister, mm-hmm. and that's when he really gets shit done. Because mm-hmm. that's what you want out of those centrist leaders. Well, it's that's what they think would actually have solved all of their problems back in the day when those well, kind of figures were in charge. Yeah, it's um, the, in the, the, the centrist canon of great political moments are the scene in Love Actually where um, Hugh Grant yep. tells off um, the president... Um, they're based, bear in mind, they're, all of their ones are fictional. Yeah, well, they're, they're all fictional. They've never existed in real life. Yeah, and they never achieved I mean, anything. you think about Cameron, Blair. I mean, Gordon Brown doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have that, like, centrist charisma thing that they love. No, and he was very short-lived. Um, and he, yeah, he wasn't, wasn't around for too long. But, I mean, John Major didn't have it, right. even though he was lauded as a centrist hero after mm-hmm. the fact. It, you're really only talking about, like, Clinton, Obama, Blair, and Cameron. Yeah. And in this case, it, it's a it's a cam- he's a Cameronian mm-hmm. figure. So he goes up to uh, he sees the mob outside and it's like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking go out yeah, there. Yeah, they try and stop him from doing. And his they speech. try and stop him from doing the speech, doing this like proper soapbox moment where he's gonna go out there. He's going out there. All this crowd are chanting at him. They're throwing stuff. I think Anna the gets, gets hit, hit in the head. He makes a joke head. about how you know your aim should be better. Yeah, he makes he makes a speech. Real coal face politics. Raw. Mm-hmm real politics mm-hmm. like they used to do making yep. speeches in public and it's yep. like speeches in public have never changed fuck all they yep. are there to propagate a particular line they don't even reveal anything no. especially in the last what 40 years mm-hmm. there's not a de- it's not a debate thing it's not a a public deliberation thing it's 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 just there because in the past that was the only way you could talk to like massive amounts of people yeah. And now they don't do it anymore. Yeah. They do it because it's on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, he does that thing of the Indian man in there, who you who you bricked and were going to lynch. He has vitiligo, actually, <laughs> and it's like very much like that. Do you remember that moment with um, Robert Kilroy Silk when he wrote that article that eventually lost him his TV show, where he said, "What have the Arabs contributed to civilizations?" Oh yeah, and he mentions Iran, and a load of people going like, uh, "Actually, I think you'll find it's Persians," as if that in any yeah. way detracted from the like v- like vileness of what he was saying yeah. or when they like somebody says actually Palestinians are Semites too and it's like it, yeah. it means nothing yeah. it means absolutely nothing you can clearly see what's going there on there is a lovely thing that happens after his speech though yeah. of when um, the people he starts talking to individual people and a woman goes at least you came you showed oh, your face, yeah, and it's an because accent. Like, like uh, some of the acting performances Jackie. are fucking shocking, but this is an accent worthy of a Bloodworth tweet. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, why would a mob think that the state would be protecting a high-level sexual predator? That's what I want to know. <laughs> There's no reason for them to Definitely think about not. it after no. any of their history. You know, no. um, the whole question of like mob management and dealing with disorder in this show is. Like, really, actually grotesque when you think about the history of how they've dealt with protests and riots over the last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, when the guy's getting lynched, there's one copper who comes out. Now, mm-hmm. if anybody has studied the British police service at all, they know that they have very specific ways of dealing with, like, violent protest and there's, things like that. And there it? would be overwhelming numbers, there would be particular snatch squads, there would be kettling. 
There's the even, state is nowhere in all of this. There's even a bit where they where the hardline Home Secretary makes a joke about a Snatch Squad. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, we can't do that. And it's like, motherfucker, I've seen them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's... Yeah, there's a later scene in the hospital when People's Justice turn up to take one of the hospital's generators. So they and actually they turn up they actually with turn, guns. Oh yeah, they actually turn up to so People's Justice uh, after he's been on on TV a bit and people are talking about it. Um, they actually invade the hospital and take over the command center and expel the three policemen. And there's one mm-hmm. point where they're mostly armed with like um, like tire jacks mm-hmm. and clubs, Billy clubs, things like that. Um, they go in and the three coppers that are there, the, the gold commander stands up to him and say, oh, I don't think you're authentically white working class. He, he literally says yeah. that. He says, you're a racist dressed by you're your mar. Yeah, you're just a, you're, uh, oh, if you're authentically working class, what am I? And it's like, you're a high ranking police officer in charge <laughs> of an entire region. I mean, you <laughs> might have been, but just because you've got Scottish doesn't mean you're white working class still. Yeah. Just because you need a shave does not mean that you are white um, class. This group of vigilantes from People just, People's Justice one has a gun, mm-hmm. right? And it looks like one of those like air rifles or... or um, it's, it's, a, it's a proper rifle for shooting rabbits. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, and there's one copper who goes... Go, like, um, the gold commander goes, uh, uh, arrest these men or something like that. Yeah. Get them out of here. And he goes, but they're armed, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we should just have give, you been around a tube station in peacetime? Have you seen how many of them are armed? Yeah, we should just... We need to give them more tasers and guns. Um, yeah. Like it's a really it's it's just there being a state mm-hmm. seems to the writer seems to think that this would complicate things mm-hmm. in writing something about the breakdown of political authority mm-hmm. in the UK, like a potential. And it's just it's not even particularly trying to say anything, I don't think. It's just inept because there's no there's no thought to what it would actually look like. We need to get back to the political skullduggery. Because basically, at the heart of it, Underneath it all, everything's basically fine. Mm-hmm. They want the state to be invisible. Even the, even by the end, the, this solar flare is barely mentioned after the first couple of episodes because mm-hmm. all of the events, all of the perturbments, all of the ruptures have to be made invisible as mm-hmm. soon as they happen. So the army can't appear until they're needed for narrative purposes. Despite the fact that the they were told the army's on the streets and the head and the, the, like the middle of this red zone, the area that's most broken down by this event has no army no, no army and three police um, so then the next big moment that happens is there's the blockade that blocks london off from the rest of the country yeah um that, so what what happens is the super transformer as we said lands at tilbury the flimflam and it, the flimflam and is making its way up to the northeast mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense somewhere along the way the lorry drivers union and people's justice unite in perfect horseshoe theory yep and this stops the super transformer from getting to they block the m25 they're trapped within the m25 because yeah. they're trapped is... at south mems and you have one say it sounds like the north <laughs> and there's there's so much to in front of oh the prime minister's not going to use the military to break break the blockade yeah. and it's like have you seen anything yeah. about strikes yeah. ever ever so they send in a bulldozer to deal with it a military uh, well, bulldozer well, they don't they don't for a couple of days they're there for a few days before they send anything no it's, it's, very, it's a lot shorter it, than that it's not it, it is it's literally shorter than that it's like it's not it's it's all it's it's i think the whole series only takes place over like three nights uh, no, because there is one time jump. There's like a week, a week on or okay, something. Maybe. I think. Yeah. But anyway, so the bulldo- they send a bulldozer in, 
and the bulldozer's going in and all the protesters are all shouted and raving and hollering like monkeys and then the bulldozer goes through and as it breaks through that's when the rioting starts and that's when they have the protesters have military grade phosphorus grenades that they yeah. throw at the police and that's when the that's when the prime minister goes okay you, you can, okay you can shoot them yeah and so they go into the smoke and they fire one shot and they shoot a photographer <laughs> but and this is where it's really gross they he tells them to open fire on the protesters and they shoot a photographer this is portrayed as sad but it's mainly about the poor soldiers who are hopped up on adrenaline and afraid for their lives yeah. and they were very importantly attacked first <laughs> and they're just responding and then it's never mentioned again he is a prime minister who just you know opened fire on people and it's just fine it's just fine <laughs> there's yeah because there's a moment where um they 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 kind of hand wave the idea that these protesters these protesters are, are like atrociously defined as well because at one when it starts it's just the lorry drivers union. They yeah. have a lot of things of listen to us, London. Yeah. Uh, things all very, very topical. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and then we're kind of told, not really shown, because these are faceless masses. Mm-hmm. Remember, we don't get any of their stories. We get the fucking. Oh, they don't in- get speaking. We rules. get the intricacy of the prime minister's daughter wrestling with her white privilege over her drug address, uh, over a drug arrest. Yeah. We get absolutely no nuance about any of the actual oppositional forces. Mm-hmm in this scenario mm-hmm. um, at some point people's justice join them so that kind of justifies you hating them a bit more mm-hmm. because the left and the right joint populists joining together mm-hmm. this is obviously all about populism mm-hmm. um, and then right as the prime minister has decided to send in the bulldozers and break the blockade violently with soldiers um they kind of mention offhand. Uh, we've we've got reports that uh, a far right group called National Activity or something. Yeah, national, it's action. Nation, it's national, it's action. national action, but they call it something else. Yeah. Um, you don't have, get sued by National have, Action for besmirching yeah. their name. <laughs> have infiltrated the protest, and somebody says, "Oh, you know, they've got links within the army," and it's like that's the hand wavy bit that tells you they've got weapons and they somewhat deserve what's coming to them mm-hmm. because you. Even the liberal centre, even the ex-leftists, mm-hmm. even the ex-socialists who are watching this, presumably, the Lib Dems, can't quite get right on side with the idea of bulldozing communists. Mm-hmm. Not quite. Mm-hmm. It's much, much easier if at varying points in this faceless opposition, you just swap out who they are yeah. and so just say, confused. oh, they're basically interchangeable. Mm-hmm. And it happens so much. Asylum seekers and people who are being deported for crimes. Yeah. It's mentioned that they're different, but there's really no difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leader of a prominent union who has his members' interests in mind and the quasi-fascist militia groups that have taken over, basically the same. Mm-hmm. Different, but basically the same. Except the fascist has got more legitimate concerns. He's yeah. not as selfish. Yeah. They literally Oh, no, they completely humanise the fascist, whereas yeah. the uh, union leader is everything you have ever seen in uh, out of uh, you, the portrayal of a union leader for the past four years. Yeah. Um, I think there was one point they call it like CCC, like um, country culture community. Yeah, that's the thing that the um the people's justice the people's chant. Justice they do chant. like they do a, a salute with three fingers up, which just yeah. looks like the scout salute. Yeah, which is the scout salute. The th- other thing I thought I don't it maybe triggered a memory in me. I can't remember if the fascist movement in Italy ever used that CCC as a chant, like yes, maybe. yes, yes, as a chant. I think of that big Mussolini building with yeah. the CCC on it. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what. Uh, that's what they go to. So 
the government arranges a meeting with uh, People's Justice and the lorry drivers' unions. Mm-hmm. They won't attend separately. They have to attend together. They yeah. insist upon it for some fucking reason. Yeah. Erasing any anti-fascist history, by the way. There's no anti-fascist in this. Oh, no, no, Absolutely not at all. Not. Not at all. Um, and just before Minetta... Is it Minetta? No, it's Minetta. Minette. Minetta's from My Hero Academia. Yeah. <laughs> He's the pervert from My Hero Academia. Um, so when fascist Minetta... Um, before he comes down to London, um, because transport is is fine apparently. Um, oh yeah, by the way, people travel back and forth all the time, but by helicopter. Yeah, um, that's just a thing. Um, you know how like by the end of Game of Thrones, people get around within like half a second. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. Um, but he takes the journalist with him to see his the the light of his life, his reason for living, his favorite thing, which is his mistress daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as he's at his peak humanized, yep, he gets Princess Diana. He steps out of his house in order to go to this meeting and a car runs past, runs him over in, with proper final destination framing as yeah, well. Yeah, it does. It's... Um, runs him over, reverses over him and he dies. Yeah. This kicks off... Um, oh, the union leader immediately cancels all the talks. Yeah. Um, and that kicks off London riots. Yeah. because And there's a taxi driver driving the two lefties of the former Labour MP and the civil servant. Yeah. And the taxi driver's going, well, you know, of course they did it. Politicians are all liars because the, the, the riots essentially are caused by lack of trust in politicians. <laughs> and because, there's riots. But it's all the riots down. Like... If only he could go and make that soapbox speech to each one of them, it would be all right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then there's London riots, which affect very little, um, and they just get a taxi to their flat. And then they bang. Yeah, the, it's uh, like there's riots going on. It's like Fraser and Francine, yeah, go go back and bang um, because they're politically homeless. But maybe for one night they can be politically homed. <laughs> hmm? mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. think about it. Um, yeah, and it, it carries on. There's various politicking around. Uh, there's a no confidence vote in the prime minister. Um, that's on the cards. That's on the cards, and the Home Secretary quits, the Home Secretary after quits the... publicly after making several statements about how people's justice like uh, are correct, and is clearly put kind of vaguely positioning himself to kind of utilize this particular amount of anger in a kind of populist right thing. But he doesn't get what he wants in the end because mm-hmm. the good PM. What does he actually do to resolve? Oh, that's right. So eventually, the super transformer just gets through, and oh, the and lights go on. on, and then it just goes on. Yeah, it's just and then it's over. It's just it's that's just, it, and it just, just ends. It's just over. No, um, and then okay, so, um, so they turn the power back on, yeah. and the prime minister decides he's going to call a general election. Fuck the no confidence vote. He's going to call a general election. Yeah, and his and Anna, so says, um, oh by the way, while this is all going on, Anna's had this affair. Her affair has come out. The guy is um, <clears throat> he's now a Bosnian international. He's a, he's he's a, a hitman hit for, a, for a, a, an international Bosnian criminal with maybe ties to ISIS and Turkish heroin traders. It's it's. I assume that is set up because again, that kind of goes nowhere. Yeah, but that's I mean, for they're going to use it. They're going to use it as blackmail to get Anna to it's step down two. as chief of staff, and it's, it's set up for a season two. The number of things that are left left like un, unexplored here. So the Lithuanian rapist guy, mm-hmm. we don't hear anything about him after. Well, he'll be a forest warlord in season two. <laughs> yeah. um, the murder of this people's justice leader, mm-hmm. Scott Minette, that's not 
really mentioned. Did that kind of stuff is fine. It's be fine for season two. I would say yeah. that they're probably not going to come back to some of them in season two. They'll just forget about them. I reckon that's what they're going to do. Yeah. They're going to leave it there, and that's going to be the ju- that was the justification when he was writing it. But they're never going to come back to it. But so he's with Anna, who has managed to not be sacked because of having an affair with an international criminal. <laughs> um, it's all good because they managed to get him arrested, and he might flip. Um, and I don't know. Um, I found myself intensely irritated by returning to their personal lives okay. when there were several more interesting, like clearly things that they should have been exploring um, other than oh, this. Just a little throwaway. If they just wanted to make it like this, that's fine. Use yeah. a terrorist attack yeah. or something. Just a little throwaway thing. Um, there's a suicide attempt in one end, in one episode. That There are no content warnings at all for that. Uh, like, yeah, like that just, I do. Yeah, I know. Just that. Yeah, yeah. amateur. But um, yeah, so, they, so, he's, so the Prime Minister's with Anna... And he's like, I'm going to call a general election. Fuck him. I'm going to be a tough. I'm going to call he an election. He swears so he gets tough, which is always the criticism. If centrist, mm-hmm. if centrists have one criticism of their own conduct, mm-hmm. it's always that they're never muscular. They're never mm-hmm. muscular enough. They're yeah. never macho enough because they think of themselves as we're the rational, calm thinkers. But sometimes, if we just got angry, we would have achieved everything we wanted. It was whenever they were talking about like foreign intervention, they mm-hmm. talked about muscular liberalism. Yeah, yeah. Rehabilitating this idea that liberalism is somehow fey, weak and compromised and all you need is to be morally tough <laughs> in order to get your way. It's very wishful filly. But so, he's going to have his election and Anna comes up with a great idea of how they're going to win the election. Oh boy, yeah, I remember this. A wealth tax. They're going to be. She's going to be. But a, I'm a conservative prime minister. Yeah, and it's like, but we'll do it and we'll what? win. And so they do that, and it's heavily implied that they that they that they're going to win, and they do win because obviously he's going to be back in the second season. Oh, well, maybe that could be before the general election because it, it still be. takes six weeks. No, it won't be. It'll be st- they're not going to bother doing that. They're just going to go straight into the second season with it after the election. I bet you. Um, but realistically, the main problem with this whole fucking show is it's it is a Romaniac view of Britain. It is. Yes. It's like yeah, yeah. it's a view of Britain and its politics. It's a show aimed at reassuring, like you know, Cameron fans, people who are yeah. like won over by Keir Starmer. Um, it's for like it's Gen Xers. It's for Gen yes, Xers. Yes, I definitely thought they that firmly at some understand point. Yeah. how the world works and what we actually need. Not you, mm-hmm. stupid kids. Um, it's a sensible Tory that will send in the army during the riots. These yeah. the this is a show for the, all the people who are tweeting 100%. about sending in the, sending in the definitely. army. You it's, can see when they're standing on the flat looking out mm. at London burning or yeah. whatever and looking at the TV screens, you can 100% see their left hand off screen tweeting, where is the army? Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's like, there are constant ideas that are portrayed as facts during what is an entertainment show. Yeah. And this, it's, one of the thing, it's one of the things I hate about cop shows. It's insidious. It's, this is, it's not portrayed as a point of view. It's portrayed as the view. It's the, it's the mechanism. Yeah. It's not just a point of view. It's the, yeah. the it's, structure this is, this and the mechanism. It, this is this how it is. This is the machine. Yeah. Well, how it's how it works. Yeah. It was gross and I hated it. I hated the whole fucking thing. Yeah. It's fucking pathetic. It was um, disgusting. It was just like it was morally reprehensible for for all the reasons we've been over, and it was badly written. <laughs> so, so it looks like if this is good, if this was kind of an attempt, an, a yet another attempt at British Twenty Four, it looks like the next season is going to be kind of an attempt at Homeland. Nice. Um, blah 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 it was successful got a launch audience of 2.2 million uh, an assassination on this is for the second series the blurb that they're mm-hmm. talking about already mm-hmm. an assassination on British soil unleashes a chain of events that threatens to develop into a crisis even more serious than the one from which the country has emerged an apparently invisible global enemy not playing by the rules and 
operating outside national boundaries appears to be bent on our destruction and nobody really knows who is friend and who is foe. Russia! <laughs> um, yeah, it's fucking shit. I mean, this is not like a sophisticated show. There were several times when during watching this that I was like, we can't cover this. This is just shit. This is yeah. just inept yeah, yeah. storytelling. Um, but I do think it's worth... I mean, it's a show out of time. It's a yeah. show that should have, that if it were made in 2016, might have had a little more cachet to it because it would be describing actually existing thi- uh, tropes and mm-hmm. mechanisms as opposed to ones that have been completely, aren't just discredited, but just aren't accurate anymore, especially after yeah. the events of 13th of December. It's this desperate appeal to try and appeal back to normal forms of political communication. Mm-hmm. That's saying that people can be won around with the right combo of words in a speech delivered personally and with the right kind of press. It's the rehabilitation, essentially, of like comms departments mm-hmm. in and, and you know communications offices in uh, in political parties. It's not a show about the power going on, going out and coming back on. It's a show about the waning of political authority and messaging. The one thing that you do notice about this show when they're talking about they can't get water, they can't get food to people in Northumberland, what they can get is media. Hmm. Everybody seems to be immediately informed about what's going on. People's Justice, the name People's Justice of the Vigilante Group, comes from a speech, a radio interview given by the hard right home secretary um, at some point. On LBC. On on fake LBC, yeah. it's about a political elite completely out of touch with the people and how they get them back online. Um, over the past few years, that kind of political communication, that assured world where you could put a message out in the media and while it would be distorted, you knew the ways that it would be distorted and you would be able to break through that somehow and get what you were about out, that's completely broken down. People are subject to such a buffeting torrent of information that it's impossible for people to sort through it this show kind of forces you to take a side, but it does this snide trick where you can't be on any side but theirs. Mm-hmm. You know, it, everyone else is like an automaton in this show, like a force with no interior, no personal life, no complication. The only ones with complication are the ones with all the power, the literal state. Um, it forces you as a viewer to make the compromise that all the sensibles made once mm-hmm. upon a time. F- framing a compromise is as you said, not just a sensible choice, but the only moral mechanism by which life is sustained Mm -hmm. in this country. What happens in this show in this barest element is the sun, the force that powers all life on earth, i.e. or or as a, as a, like a a analogy, the market (laughs) goes out. So it's the financial crash, right? Mm -hmm. The sun burns too brightly yeah. It sends a flare through the entire uh, the entirety of the UK system, mm-hmm. which then goes down. And the reason I say that the sun is like the market in this is because it's like it's portrayed as like a force of nature. It can't. It, 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 it after its disaster, it discreetly goes away. It's yeah. hidden behind this ideological veil, mm-hmm. leaving poverty, division, mm-hmm. and anger in its wake. And I'm not saying this show is like some hidden cult gem or it's got this amazing subtext or anything, but it is notable how out of step it seems and how pleading how it's pleading with you to 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 show you how much its central characters its centrist characters are struggling they're the real victims who are Mm -hmm. suffering not the people who are actually hungry not the people who are actually in penury not the people who are actually dying no it's the real people the ones with complicated 
professional and private lives. The politically homeless. The politically homeless. They're the real ones who are suffering. And it's ironic that the only person at that thing who dies is a journalist. And that's when it really matters. That's when the Mm -hmm. sad music comes in. Mm -hmm. Because journalists are are kind of part of this. Yeah, it asks you to um, reserve all your pity for the true victims of the financial crash. Which is the centre. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that was our thing about that show. That show was shit. Um, there are some good shows out at the moment. A um, oh, yeah. little plug for my wife's show. Uh, um, if you want to watch a female-led teen show. Teen on, murder mystery? Yeah, on iPlayer called Get Even. That's very good. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to watch something more grown up, it was the best thing made last year by far. Giri Hadji is also on BBC. That's a very, very, ah, very okay. good show. It was without a doubt the best thing that was on TV last year. And it was made by the BBC, and they didn't push it at all. <laughs> it's like half in English, half in Japanese, and it's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's us for this week. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us at WDT80W underscore podcast. Follow me at BM Bergamo. Follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. And we will see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. about the fighting game.